All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a live edition of Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and right there, we've got our boy, Drake. Buddy, I'm going to get to you first since it's live, so I don't make you sit there uncomfortably for like two minutes while I babble. How are you doing, man? Got the Mickey Mouse hat on? Things are going well? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I just drove back down from Tampa. was hanging out with a friend of mine up there. Um, had a little bit of car issues, unfortunately, on the way up, so I was there a little longer than I was going to attend to, but it was a great time. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to officially be a part of UF Hate Week coming week. Officially, man. It took until Tuesday night, Wednesday, as most of y'all are listening to this, but we got you involved. Yeah, it's uh, we got a good show tonight, guys. We're going to touch on a little bit of recruiting. There's a couple updates we want to give to you, but it's the same old, same old. The class is coming together. Mike Norvell's crushing it on the trail. And, you know, we're shaping up to potentially be the best program in the state of Florida for several years to come. And then we're going to do what anyone wants to do this week. Before we go spend time with our families, we're going to talk about the school we hate more than anything. We're going to preview the Florida game. And, you know, this is our last episode, likely, of the regular season if we don't drop one Friday. So I'm going to have to look back a little, get a little sentimental. Before I do that, folks, just uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here on this journey. I mean, it's uh, it's been a wild one. If you're listening on the podcast, thanks for being here. One of the OGs, make sure you check out the YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Like the videos. All of it helps. If you're on YouTube and you want to go mobile and you don't want to pay for YouTube premium because literally no one does, please stop giving me pop-up ads. Go to the podcast, Locked On Seminoles, on all your favorite podcast platforms. Drake, roll the video and let's get started. Let's go. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. So, yeah, I think the first thing, Drake, I want to start with on tonight's episode is a little bit of recruiting talk. You know, we saw a lot of momentum in the whatever we call it, the midnight madness, right? Mike Norvell drove out in a slingshot when the official visit ban was lifted. Tons of kids there. There was a lot of hype. We thought it was momentum. Others to the south thought it was fake momentum. And we said, look, it's going to come down to how this team performs on the field. I never would have thought starting 0-4, we would not only keep the class together for the most part, but potentially be landing three big names coming up that were kind of off the board, right? Marvin Jones Jr., Julian Amella, and uh, I feel like there's one I'm forgetting, but I don't know. Maybe three was the number I had in my head. Are you surprised by that, or or did you kind of feel like you knew this staff was going to be able to keep it together this year because they were setting expectations appropriately? I, I, if anyone tells you that they were expecting them to actually keep this class together after 0 and 4 start, they're lying to your, your face, primarily because that's, that's a really hard sell, especially after a year where you, where you ended up 3 and 6 uh, the year before with your primary wins being against a UNC, a Jacksonville State team that you had lost to actually during the 0 and 4 stretch, and also beating up on a Duke team that right now hasn't won a conference game, I think, since last October. So, primarily, I didn't think that, and I think it's a testament to how hard they worked, you know, on the trail, and also how they've kind of kept expectations for these kids. Like, hey, listen, we're not a very good football team; we're just not. But we can scheme with some certain plays. Like, we can point out certain ways where you're able to help us. Like, a Keisha Helen drop, Kevin Coleman, you're going to catch that. If a Darius Washington misses a block, Julian Armella, that's you right there. 
Marvin Jones Jr., you're here to see how Jermaine Johnson's doing. You can be the next guy to do that, actually, where your dad played too. So to me, it's just something that it'll be interesting. But I think that I didn't expect that, but I was actually very impressed because one of the big knocks I had in Norvell was his recruiting. So Yeah, man. And I I think the biggest thing that has kept this class together, in my opinion, man, it looks like I have Marfan syndrome, right? Like huge hands because of where my folks, it, I said this yesterday. If you weren't here yesterday, this is the temporary mobile command center bedroom at the parents' house. I'm closing on my house on Monday and I will have an office again. I promise I will be like a normal person. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but I think they've, they have shown it literally every position, unless you could think of one. I can't think of a single position where there is not someone they can point to and say, look how well we've developed him. Imagine what we can do with you, right? Look at what Kalen Deloach was eight games ago and look at how he just played. Look at where Jordan Travis was last season and look at where he is throwing now. That's Kenny Dillingham talking to, you know, AJ, um, Marvin Jones Jr. Again, like you said, look at what Jermaine's doing safeties. You, that's a really productive unit. You've seen not only good play, seen bad play too, but again, you've seen progression and development and these kids, I don't hate them for it. Most of them have one goal in mind and that's getting to the NFL, making money. And you're only going to do that if you have good coaches developing you while you're in college. So anyway, I, I think that's probably the, the biggest contributing factor I've noticed. Yeah. And I think another thing too, that was like, <clears throat> it really is nice that actually we're going into the end of the year where even if we don't win a game game against Florida, that actually we still be able to retain probably every single kid that we have currently committed to the class with still some other kids coming in. So actually I'm very, I was one of the first people actually, when we hired Mark Novell, I wasn't like stoked about the hire. One of my biggest things was, one, his recruiting left a lot to be desired in Memphis. Two, his original staff had nobody with recruiting ties to South Florida at all whatsoever. After one year, after last year, he's like, hey, I got to fix that. Hired Ryan Bartow, got Kenyatta Watson, and also got Randy Shannon for, you know, analyst position, which helps immensely with South Florida. So to me, it shows that I give Mike a lot of flack for not adjusting or having a proper plan B or C after his plan A goes slightly awry. So, but I think so far that he's proved me and a lot of people wrong actually in that regard. So I actually give him kudos for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that his recruiting was suspect coming in. And, and so is any, by the way, group of five team head coach because it's a it's a different ball game. And you can say, you know, Billy Napier was a coordinator or I guess a position coach at Alabama. That's not the same thing as being the head honcho. You, you know, you're going to recruit differently when you have Nick Saban's name on your back than when it's just you. Sorry. Or hanging out with uh, or hanging out with Jimbo Fisher for, I think, three months before we went to Bama. Actually, he was here. Oh, well, yeah, good for yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I, I just, I, I think it's great to see the class coming together. Kind of last piece of news, if you hadn't seen, um, Travis Hunter took an official visit to Jackson State to go see Deion Sanders, and I couldn't think of a better sign that he's not looking elsewhere and that he's committed to Florida State than him burning an official to basically go hang out with Deion Sanders for a weekend. So I think that's probably a great sign. Now, I want to talk about the Florida game, Drake. Before I do, though, I want to help the folks be a little happier for this happy Thanksgiving. Guys, download Prize Picks. It's a great way to watch a football game. There are individual props for pretty much any player you can think of. Uh, you can go after the stars where the lines are probably sharp. You can go after some folks that maybe are off the beaten path where the lines might not be. Doesn't matter. You're going to draft a team of three to five guys when you download Prize Picks in the app or the Google Play Store. 
and each of them is going to have an individual prop. You're going to pick, hey, do I think they're going over or under this number in this statistical category? If you're right about three of the five players you draft, you'll make back money on your entry. If you're right about four, you'll make back even more money. And if you're right about all five, drinks are on you, man, because you just had a great day. Let's go to your favorite high school bar. It's Thanksgiving night in your hometown. And again, you can sponsor the whole event because you hit all five of your players on Prize Picks. So go to Prize Picks, App Store, Google Play Store, and use promo code LOCKED ON. They will actually match your first deposit up to $100. So you put in $100, bucks, you get $100 of free money to play with. So many tabs open. Jeez. Hey, you know what I thought of during that break while I was also talking? Probably weird that my brain does that. If we win on Saturday, Mike Norvell, <laughs> funny stat, will be 2-0 and against in-state rivals and 1-1 and against the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. It's not funny when you're 0-4, but like looking back, if yeah, we do 4 and Miami, it'll a- be kind of a funny stat. First coach ever to go to, to beat both in-state rivals as a head coach while on the sidelines while not being undefeated against FCS opponents. Oh, Let's man. not discuss the move on to happier pastures. I'm just saying, what a time we live in. So, Drake, you, you brought in the news in our pre-production today that it sounds like Emory Jones, the quarterback for the boys down in Gainesville, is injured. And the running backs coach, who I guess is trying to steer the program, has decided that he has no other option. He's going to have to go with Anthony Richardson, the 15th. The 15th? I know he's number 15, but we always call Mom, him AR-15. What do you think about that? Seriously, you know more about uh, that program down there, uh, at least in that respect with the quarterback dynamic than I do. What, what does he bring that's different than Anthony or uh, Emory Jones? I know a lot of Florida fans have wanted Anthony Richardson to start all year. What, what's that all about? I hate agreeing with the denizens, the alumni, or anybody that's associated with the University of Florida, but they were right that Anthony Richardson probably should have been playing most of the year. Emory Jones might be the better passer by way of, you know, he's a little he's been in the system a lot longer. He's a little bit more accurate. But Anthony Richardson, I think, is, is the better overall quarterback. I mean that by he's six foot four. He's almost 240 pounds. He also has a cannon of an arm. And he's lightning quick. I wouldn't be surprised if when he goes to the NFL, because he's going to go to the NFL and actually does his 40 time, he might give you like a four five five. To me, he's extremely, extremely Cam Noon-esque. Now the one thing with him is he's also need he's also not super super healthy. If you saw in the practice report today as well, they have a true freshman by the name of Carlos Del Rio Wilson also taking first round team snaps. To me, I'm not gonna lie to you, I was not a, I was a little disappointed that Damon got fired primarily because I think we would have a better chance to actually win this game as you alluded to yesterday, where when a team loses their head coach and sometimes that could be an addition by subtraction because it's like don't gel with the guy and I kind of think that's the case right here with this Florida team because they played. Much better under Greg Knox, probably. So to me, I think they have the better quarterback with AR-15 over Emory Jones. But from him still having the knee issue and the ankle injury from his dancing in the hotel room a few weeks ago, um, to me, that's it's going to be interesting. It's gonna be, you're going to see a Jordan Travis kid who's a little bigger, but he has a cannon for an arm. Interesting. Yeah, I, look, I think there were two aspects to the firing of Dan Mullen when it happened. I think one was they didn't want him to beat us and that be a dead cat bounce of like, all right, well, we got to keep him. And two, I think they thought, hey, we already know we can't keep him. So let's get rid of him and see if that doesn't energize the team and maybe we get a Florida State victory out of it. Now, I, I'm honestly not too worried about 
whatever they're going to put at quarterback. And I think that him being a little better with his legs, yeah, he's, like you said, he's got the cannon, got the deep ball. But him having that weapon to rely on in the legs gives me more confidence because that means he might fall victim to some hubris and try to use those legs against our defensive line, which we saw Phil Djokovic do a little bit there, but only when, it, you know, Phil Djokovic, I think, had a, had a couple Sam Howell runs where it was like, yeah, he ran for 15, 17 yards, but that was the better of the two options because that's all mm-hmm. he had available on the field, and I'm okay with that. See, the thing is, that actually scares him a little bit more, and it's not because I think he's going to run similar to Phil Dracovic. I think it's more that his athleticism and his speed is a lot similar to a running quarterback that we did have issues with in Gary Schrader against Syracuse. And if you and if you notice, too, Fuller doesn't play like your traditional QB spy, if you've noticed actually in a lot of the games. Now, one thing I would do want to point out, when AR-15, Anthony Richardson, he, when he came in for Emory Jones at the LSU game, he lit them up. He was the reason why the game got a lot closer than it actually was originally. But Ed Orozeron did one thing that I've never seen him do before. He adjusted on, on the defense side of the ball. I've never seen him adjust at all whatsoever in a football game. Well, he adjusted. Oh, in a football. I was going to say. In a football had, game. He adjusted when he divorced his wife. For That's true. A bunch of 20-year-olds. <laughs> he put two high safeties up the middle. Two, two safeties high. And to me, that took away a lot of that sort of vision that I see now kind of why Dimon wanted to hold off a little bit on him because he takes a lot of risky throws because he also is prone to an overthrow. So to me, if we somewhat keep him, not in the pocket, but keep him behind the line of scrimmage and sort of contain him in a way, he's not going to do much of anything. And to me, we should literally win, as you said yesterday, like 100. Yeah, and look, man, we've seen it with Tyler Van Dyke. We've now seen it with Phil Djokovic. Um you really don't want to have to rely on the deep ball against this team. We even saw it to a degree against Devin Leary when we had our defense at about 50% strength. That is not really a skill that translates to success against this defense because we are very good at taking away the deep ball and forcing you to either go underneath or forcing you to run. You know, I want to talk about the QB spy for a moment because that's a good point. We do not have the personnel to run a spy. Here's the problem. We have one linebacker that can cover, Kalen Deloach. We also have one linebacker that's any measure of quick. Also, Kalen Deloach. We have a huge thumper, a guy that can hit like a freight train in DJ Lundy. However, we saw the touchdown to the running back. Maybe got down to the five-yard line. I I talked about in the instant reaction. He is not someone you want to put in the middle of the field because you have to compromise. We had him spying Phil Dracovich. But again, if a running back comes out of the backfield and that becomes his responsibility... He can't keep up with them. If someone comes across the middle, he can't keep up with them. So he's kind of a huge lie, not kind of. He's a liability in coverage, but there's really no one else you can put in the spy. You can maybe put Gainer there, but you sort of, if you have three lines. You want to put Gainer in spy? No, that's what I'm saying. It's, he's yeah. not really a great fit either because you you want Amari in coverage probably, or you want a nickel back out there, which means you're playing two linebackers. If you're playing two linebackers, what, you got Deloach and Amari out there? I, there's not there's not a good personnel fit for us to use. There's no Derwin James, right? Where it's like, that's the guy that should be spying the quarterback. We just don't have that player. Um, So I think what Fuller does to compensate for that is we don't run the QB spy. We say, look, we're going to take away the top 40 yards, right? We're going to make the middle, the first 20 yards difficult to throw to. And if you run it for 10, or or, then we're going to hope our D line keeps you in front of them. And if every now and then you get a 15 yard run, well, okay, it's not the end of the world. And, and that's, I think, probably what we'll see on Saturday is the same thing. And, hey, 
let Anthony Richardson, I, I, I love the sound of a young kid that has too much confidence in his arm trying to take a bunch of shots downfield with, you know, we're going to have Jamie Robinson back, obviously, um, and having Gant and having Dent back there. I'm fine with it. Take, you know, I'd love to see him kind of get flushed out, too much confidence in the arm, get picked off two or three times. I, I think that's set. Um, I want to get into the numbers a little bit more, kind of if we're doing a game preview, nerd out for a second. Um, but before I do that, folks, I'm going to help you get into the numbers. Not my best transition, but I do what I can. Folks, betonline.ag, I tell you all the time. Uh, in fact, we can go to betonline.ag right now and do a live line of the day because I like doing that. Oh, no, live betting. Oh, man, I can't get there in time. Well, folks, betonline.ag is the place to go. They've got tons of lines. They've got tons of props. They have literally anything you want to put money on. they got the ponies. they got eSports even. Go to betonline.ag for it and use promo code LOCKED15 or LOCKED ON. Get yourself your welcome bonus. You put in 100, they give you 100, the whole deal. It's wonderful. Betonline.ag. And when you're done, I, I would do this first, actually. Don't go into this hungry. Make sure you're fueled. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you're gassed up and you're thinking straight before you place those bets by getting yourself some built bars. Folks, built bars, delicious, nutritious. 17 grams of protein, 5 grams of carbs, 5 grams of sugar. I wish I'd brought one with me from the kitchen. I'd show it to you right now, but I forgot while I was out there. Go to BuiltBar.com. Select your delicious, nutritious treat. Look at me getting through all those S's. And use promo code LOCK15. 15% off your order. Shipped right to your door. BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKED15. Oh, man. So I guess we so the Florida team is weird because I, I like I said, I like to nerd out in the numbers, but several gamblers have talked about how there's like had to be a Florida adjustment this year because they're just they don't make any sense. Um, no, they, they, they really don't. There is this cool metric I found called. Um, what's it? I don't know. It's GLS. It basically stands for. I don't know, is it good L? I don't know what it stands for. doesn't matter, but I know what it measures. And it measures how would a good team, that means a team one standard deviation above average, perform against the schedule this team's face. Now, if you don't know statistics and stuff, that's fine. It's boring. A standard deviation just means like the next, um, gosh, how do I explain this? I actually don't know how to explain it. I just use Excel to calculate standard deviations. I would say, bro, like we, yeah. we're going to NBAs right now. We don't, we don't need to explain this stuff. We just, we just I, put I, in, I honestly don't, I honestly do don't know how to explain everything. standard deviation. I know how to put it in Excel and I know what it tells me, but yeah. explaining it, yeah, it's a whole different, it, yeah. Anyway, so basically it's saying, what would a team that's above at, that's good do against your schedule? Florida is four and six. A good team against their schedule should have 3.81 losses. Florida has six. An average team against their schedule should have 6.01. So they're playing like an average team. But if we go to the FEMRAL rankings, the efficiency rankings, they're ranked 33rd in the country. Now, 33rd out of 120 is, that would be like two standard deviations out, meaning they should be in the upper, you know, upper good to pretty good, you know, really good teams. And yet, they have the same number of losses against their schedule as just an average team, you know, you think a team rated 60 to 75th uh, should have. So they are a chronically underperforming team this year. On the other hand, Florida State, 
is ranked 40th in the country in these same advanced metrics overall. And a good team with our schedule should have 3.56 losses. We have five. An average team should have 6.12. So we're right there between good and average. Drake, I hate to break your heart or at least make you relive the painful memory, but you take out that Jacksonville State loss, we've got four losses. That's right where a good team should be. And that would be two ahead of where an average team should be. So like, I think what I'm saying is we are actually outperforming our numbers and Florida is substantially underperforming their numbers. Now, the question is, was Dan Mullen the reason that a less talented team was able to get those numbers up to a high point early in the year? Or was he the reason that a good team by the numbers stopped performing up to their capabilities? And what does him leaving how we answer that, we'll answer the next question. What effect does him not being there have on how they're going to perform? I'm going to say something my dad always says uh, sure. whenever we go out to Outback and they ask him, do you want surf and turf? Do you want just the surf or do you want the lobster? <laughs> okay, no, los dos. Why not both? To me, Dan Mullen actually, Dan Mullen's a damn good head coach when it comes to offensive skill play calling. I think he can out-scheme anybody in the league right now. I think, like in my personal opinion, I think the first thing he should do or call Meyer and coach Trevor Lawrence up there in Jacksonville. Okay. Now, he was able to do that and make that higher ceiling, as you were saying, because Jim McElwain, as people, you know, you know, lambasting for, he recruited a very talented class like Kandarius Tony, a Kyle Pitts, a Kyle Trask. Like, he was able to get the weapons for Dan Mullen, mm-hmm. and he was able to take them to a further level that McElwain could never do. Here's the problem. Mullen hates recruiting. It's like a known fact that man is extremely awkward. He's not, he doesn't connect with the kids very well. He also doesn't like recruiting. I mean, there are reports out there where he took vacation during the, you know, during the offseason where for football, for NFL, you can do that. But for the college, recruiting is 24 7, 365. And that's why he had that. We worry about recruiting, you know, once the football season is over. You can't have the mentality with college football. So to me, like those metrics now, is just showing him he's still scheming up very well. You see with the offense, I mean, they gave up, gave up what, 52 points to Sanford. He still scores 70. The problem is he hasn't been able to refill the cabinets with, you know, weapons with either on the defensive side of the football or the offensive side of the football. And to me, that's sort of the uh, the issue there is he's, he's he had everything and then he wasn't able to reload anything, you know, with what he wants to do. It was. A, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was a churn and burn mindset. I mean, he needs people under him to put, put good players in front of him or else he's he's useless. I mean, you can be the best coach in the world if you don't have the talent. Who cares, right? They're, it's irrelevant. He got three years out of McIlwain's players. You know, his first year, he did bring in a pretty decent recruiting class. AR-15 is one of his recruits. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just was, I don't think, and I, we said this last year, we said at the start of this year, Holly said it, Stacy said it, he was not building a sustainable program at the University of Florida. And that's why I'm sad to see him go. Because I, I frankly thought, his success would earn him at least two years of implosion, right? Like we'd get two sliding years of him just crashing and burning before they gave him the boot. And we'd get to really beat up on him for those two. Then we get two or three more of a rebuild. Now we're in a situation where maybe Billy Napier comes in. Maybe it's Bob Stoops. It's not Bob Stoops, but Bob Stoops is now the betting favorite. Uh, he was that last year too. Yeah, no, he's not. If, if you look at the odds board for the Florida job now, it's the same exact odds board from last year for us. If Bob Stoops, let me put it this way. If Bob Stoops decides to coach at the University of Florida, 
that will not bother me in the least because that is not the same Bob Stoops that was thinking rationally and coaching good teams at Oklahoma. That's a guy that's lost his marbles, and I am happy to play him for the next three to five years until they realize their mistake, and we will beat on him just like we've spent two years beating on the last great coach that returned to where it all started up in Chapel Hill. So didn't work out for North Carolina against us. I don't think it'll work out for Florida against us. The point I wanted to get at, though, is that we are a much more balanced team, right? You look at where we are, right? 39th offense, 41st defense. Again, I'm using FEI right now. I can look at some other stuff in a minute. Florida, on the other hand, 53rd best offense, 16th rated best defense. Now, I don't know if I believe that. They just gave up 52 to Samford. They also scored 70. You, you, you just say 16th in defense? Yeah, that's, where that's their efficiency rate. Okay, yeah, that's... I don't know if I I don't know if I'm believing that, but either way, something they're doing, regardless of if it's right, has created this kind of situation between their offense and defense, whereas our ratings are very, you know, even keeled. We're a much more, much more um, uh, consistent team, right, on both sides of the ball. And the, sorry, the point I'm making. Let me just get to the end here. Um, the point I'm making is that if we can avoid the big mistakes, and they don't have a, a head coach to make adjustments and they don't even have a defensive coordinator right now to act on what he's seeing on the field. If we can just play a clean game, have another one of those games. We've had plenty of them. Unlike this last weekend where five, six penalties don't shoot ourselves in the foot. Don't extend their drives. Don't hamper our drives. We're not going to win by a hundred, but I, I do think that this is a game that we could win by 10 or 14. I mean, I, it really would not be out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, this is a game that we should win. I think the only thing that we really can debate between the three of us and everyone out there is like how much it should be by. Right. And it's basically, for one thing, I was worried about Darius Washington. He was prim primarily out, I think, for the rest of the BC game. He actually apparently did fully dress and practice actually today, actually, which is great news because I don't want to see Bray Scott there again, out there. If not necessary, I mean, he's a good player, good kid, but D-Wash, you know, has been our best, you know, pass blocker all year, especially yeah. because this defensive line for Florida, while it isn't elite like it should be, but they have a Gervon Dexter, a Brandon Cox, a Zachary Carter all up on the line that they will give us trouble. I will not be surprised if, you know, DLT or Mo Smith, who have been a, sort of our weaker leagues on the line after being, you know, our studs last year, have, can be exploited. So to me, it's going to be very interesting to see our offense needs to stay on the field long enough to give our defensive breathing room. To me, this is going to be a very, I don't know if Chippy's the right word, it's going to be a very physical game, but I think we've been able to show, actually, especially after the BC game, how physical that we want to be against certain opponents. And this team, this Florida team, to me, is a, a team that kind of wants to get the season over with at this point. And they they want this to be over as soon as possible, and we, let's just go in there, get that dub, and go bowling, and play FAU for the buyout. Double or nothing. I don't know if that second part will happen, but I agree. I think that mentally we're going to see probably what we saw Willie Taggart's first team do against Florida, where like Florida will probably play this close for a quarter. But if you can hit him in the mouth a few times, someone's going to quit. Then more people are going to quit. And then you'll see some of them still fighting. But I, I just, I don't see this team coming into this game beyond the normal flash, right? They're going to be, oh yeah, we Florida State. You got to beat Florida State, but they're not going to care. They guys, they just lost to Missouri. I mean, come on. This is not a team that has any fight or any desire in them. To let it's not. It's not there. It's just the flame has been extinguished. It's gone, and 
much like Dan Mullen's uh, most recent job, it's over. So I think we're going to go in there. I think we can beat up on this team pretty well. It just, it's one of those things where you don't know what this Florida State team, um, what you're going to get. And the worst part is like, you don't even know during the game. We could get up by 21. And it's like, I don't feel comfortable yet. I got to. I gotta see this thing through to the end, but either oh, way, oh, I, I didn't. I, I felt super uncomfortable even when we were up by twenty seven and a half. I felt horrible. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm in the same boat, bro. And I think that um, but but last thing I'll say, I I think expectations wise, it almost sucks that Dan Mullen's gone and the coaching staffs in shambles because now there's like no excuse to lose this game. But it's a huge positive that Mike Norvell could go a two and zero against both in state rivals this year, and it's an even bigger positive that. uh well, it looks like Miami's going to either keep Manny Diaz or let their alumni start being involved in uh, player evaluations and coaching decisions, and it's going to be an absolute disaster. So we're the most stable program in Florida still. The horizon is bright. And, dude, I just can't believe we made it through a regular season. Pretty crazy. Feels like just yesterday we were talking about this stuff and playing what if, and now I don't know what to do for the next eight months. It's going to be sad. We're talking about basketball, baby. Triple D is coming back tomorrow. This well, not tomorrow. It's coming back this week. Got Dave, you know, back on the horn. We got basketball. We got baseball. Shout out women's soccer right now. They're in, the, I think, the elite eight for women's soccer. So let it ride, girls. And trust me, we got a lot of content for until next football season when we True. should be nine and three. So that's right, folks. We cover every single sport. We are here five days a week, except this week because we're going to spend some time with our families. Seriously, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for making this season as special as the players made it for us in a lot of ways. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following along. Triple D's, Drake just mentioned, that's Dunks, Dribbles, and Dimes as our weekly basketball show. Again, we'll bring you every sport. Can't wait to see what happens on Saturday. Can't wait to see what happens in the future. And uh, just can't wait to see the dumpster fire continue to burn down in Hogtown. I'm Max, that was Drake, and this was a live Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Be thankful out there. And don't forget that FSU took the number 16 in the country to overtime. <laughs> <laughs>